Hi, this is Austin Anderson. I'm the lead pastor of Tacoa Church. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tacoa Church exists to see people connect to God, to find and live out their purpose. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. Well, good morning, Tacoa Church. Um, it's fun to worship with you guys. I don't normally get to play and <laughs> preach and do all the things on one morning, but um, I got to step in this morning, which is fun for me. But I'm really excited for today. This is the start of our new series called Ruth. We're going to be going through um, all four chapters of the book of Ruth. This is something that I've been studying, honestly, for the last three months um, in preparation, knowing that this was a series that God wanted our church to go through. In addition to starting this on Sundays during the week, we're also starting our summer Tacoa groups. These are just short four-week groups where we're going to be following up with some discussion, community time, um, following up on what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. And so I want to invite you guys to jump into those as well. Don't miss out. Even if you're traveling, can't make all of them. I'm in that boat myself. Um, but jump in. On Wednesday nights, we've got a young adult group. And on Thursday nights, we've got a group for whoever wants to come. Um, and they meet right here during the week. So I want to invite you guys to join us for those groups. You can find up, sign up right on the website, tacoachurch.org. Hit the groups button at the top, um, and you can make sure you get all the updates in case there's anything you need to know for those groups. We'll send it out. But jump in to those groups. And today, as we start Ruth, we're going to look at Ruth chapter 1. I want to also give you a little bit of an overview and some background for this book. And part of my excitement for this is because I think if there was more people like Ruth and Boaz, two of the three main characters, our world would be a much better place in it. Our churches would be better. Our world would be better. I also love it because we see ordinary people like ourselves who show us in some ways an extraordinary way to live, a way that at the same time is simple and sincere, but at the same time very profound. And it's about how God works in human life, even when we don't see him, even when he's maybe not doing the huge and miraculous, that God is still at work. And it's a great reminder and encouragement to us in our lives. This book highlights the hidden workings of God. There are no audible voices, there's no visions, there's no huge miracles in this book. And sometimes this is exactly how our lives are. It shows us that God is at work in our everyday lives, in our work, in our play, with our family, with our friendships, and that the purposes of God can be fulfilled in all of those areas of our life. And they're not just things that occupy our time, not just the passing of time, but when we honor God in it, He can work out and He is working out His purposes even in those areas of life. Matter of fact, that's why we're here as a church. Part of our vision is to help people discover their purpose, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week as well, and to live that purpose out. God here is involved in the working of human life and shows us how God works through this through the faithfulness, the everyday faithfulness of his people. One of my passions is helping people recognize the voice of God in their lives. And we believe as a church that the Holy Spirit is active and that he is still speaking. And I love helping people recognize what that voice sounds like in their lives. But there's also other parts of our life where God isn't speaking. He's not doing the huge and the miraculous. And Ruth is an encouragement to us in the middle of that, that when we honor God with our lives, we see Him at work. And even when we don't hear Him, He's still working behind the scenes. 
Even when we don't see what he's doing, we don't understand it, we, we wonder maybe where he is, maybe he seems silent in the middle of our lives, Ruth is a reminder to us that he's not silent and he is at work. This is what Ruth is about. About that God is working. When you think about, you know, who are the friends that my kids have? How are my kids growing? When you think about how am I going to live in my life? When I worry about how are things going at work? When I worry about the future? When I think about how am I going to keep going? Because life is just so hard right now. When we're weary from the grind of life, Ruth is a reminder to us that God is working on our behalf and in our lives. He moves to provide for those that need him to provide. And he is at work in the everyday parts of our lives as well. And it helps us recognize that there is purpose, church, in all that we do. In the trip to the grocery store, in the pickup game at the park, in all that we do, the barbecue with neighbors, in the meeting or the test we're going to take, there's purpose in all that we do. And God is at work in all things. He's providing in all of these things. Ruth tells us that how we act in these parts of our life has a purpose. And when we live out that purpose, God will make a difference with our lives. Ruth starts out as an outsider. We'll look at this today. And she gets fully adopted into God's family by the end of her life. And it's a reminder to us that the same is available to us. And it shows us as well that God is cares about the widows and the orphans and those that are marginalized by society. God cares about them as much as he cares about anybody else because Ruth was one of those people. Ruth, an outsider who talks different, looks different, acts different, comes from a different family background. She gets fully brought into God's family and he is at work in her life even before she recognizes it. She gets brought in just as we can get brought in. And today my sermon is titled, Don't Walk Away Too Soon. Don't walk away too soon. I think too many times we walk away before we see the provision of God, or we walk away too soon before we get to see the fruit of what's going on in our life. And Ruth is a reminder, as well as Naomi and Boaz, some of the other main characters, we'll get to Boaz next week. They are reminders to us that when we stay faithful and when we don't walk away too soon, that sometimes it takes a while, but God is working behind the scenes even before we see him working. So let's jump into this this morning. Matter of fact, could somebody bring me a bottle of water? Because I forgot to grab one and I could use something this morning. Uh, But we're going to jump into this. um, And look, I want to give you a little bit of background before we get into it. Um, And there's an important word in the theology of the Old Testament. There's an important word in Ruth that I want to let you guys know about. Um, normally you don't really need to know the background of the words that are in the text, but this morning, thank you so much, Pastor Tim. Uh, this morning, um, there's a word that we're going to look at all four weeks that is um, relevant to us. This word is called hesed, H-E-S-E-D in English. Can you guys pronounce that with me, hesed? All right. Some of you need a little more like Hebrew in your life. Let's try that again. One, two, three. Chesed. All right, good. I got you awake. I got you smiling, some of you. So this is our word. It occurs um, all throughout this book. It occurs throughout the Bible. This word means, and I'm going to come back to it later in the message to give you a little bit more, but a brief overview is loving kindness, devotion, faithfulness. These ideas are wrapped up in this word, and this is the idea of Ruth as well. And part of the idea of Ruth is that when we act in this way towards those in our lives, and when we act this way towards God, 
It opens up the floodgates of God responding the same way towards us. It opens up the floodgates of his loving devotion, faithfulness, kindness towards us in our life when we live it out in our lives. So let's jump into this. Ruth chapter 1. The background of this, it's in the time of the judges. It's an era of kind of social and religious chaos in what is even now the country of Israel. It's the same place. Um, the, the, the country, the people of God are still developing. It's a little bit crazy. And the, the th- even the survival of God's people and his nation is threatened during this time. And so verse 1 says this, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So here's our historical background for our passage today. I like it's kind of like the beginning of Star Wars. The narrator is setting up the scene. Like a long time ago, not in a galaxy far, far away, but in a land that was a little bit far away, there was a man named um, Elimelech. I think is in the next chapter. But they moved because there was a famine. There was a famine in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is six miles south of Jerusalem, so it's walkable. It's close, but Bethlehem literally means house of bread. So in the house of bread, a plentiful land, a plentiful city, there was no food. There was famine. It was a place of plentiful harvest, but there was no food. So they moved to Moab, where they would have been outsiders. And they perhaps thought that God would provide for their family in that way as he did for other people in the history of the Israelite people. When famine would come, they would often go to a surrounding country for a time to try to find food and provision. This family, from where they are located, is from the clan of Caleb. And the land is prosperous where they live because Caleb got some of the best land because Caleb was Hesed. Caleb and one other guy were faithful when a bunch of other people weren't. And so they got some of the best land in Israel because of their faithfulness. But his ancestors in this rich land are struggling because there's famine. And so they moved to Moab. I heard somebody else call Moab, which is basically like the Las Vegas of the Middle East at the time. It was kind of the party town. It was the crazy place. Um, stuff was going on there. And so they move, hoping that there is more for them there. And they walked away from the promises of God in Israel and to his people, and they went somewhere else trying to find an answer on their own. And they walked away. They went from this land to go somewhere else. They left the promised land, and they ended up facing, as we'll see, more suffering. And it was only on their return back to the promises of God that they started experiencing the blessing of God once again. See, their ancestors even had done a similar thing. See, their ancestors had moved to another land to find provision when there was famine. And so Elimelech, leading his family, he's like, you know what, we need to do just like they did. But Elimelech did something that I think we do sometimes. He took a word or a provision that God did for somebody else and he used it in his own life and said, this is what they did. Why don't we do the same thing? Maybe God will do the same thing in our life instead of him living out the word that God had given to them to stay in the land and that he was going to provide and bless them in the land that he had given them. And it's only when his descendants come back to the land that he was supposed to be in in the first place that the blessing of God returns to his life. So we're in chapter 1, if you want to follow along. I'm not going to read all of these verses, but in chapter 2, we see that they go to Moab because they hope for better. He goes, Elimelech, with his wife and his two sons, Malon and Chilion. That's about all we hear about them. Because things get worse for the family as they go on. They try to escape the famine 
But then something worse happens. The husband dies. And then after the husband dies, Naomi, who is at this point in time our main character in the book, she's like, well, I still have my two sons. You know, our family can still keep going on. And so the two sons marry Moabite wives, and, and the family starts to go on. But it's not enough, because for 10 years, the family continues to struggle. Anybody feel like you've been struggling for a while? I hope it hasn't been 10 years in your life like it was for this family. Because for 10 years, they continue to struggle. They continue to be the outsiders. And Naomi thought, okay, and the sons probably thought, like, here's the answer. We'll marry wives and life will go on. For 10 years, no children came. And at this point in time, that was how the family continued. That's how you left a legacy. That's how you left an inheritance. For the women, this is what society was all about for them, to have kids. And nothing happened for a decade. Nothing happened. And then it gets worse. Because, see, both sons end up dying as well. And the hope for the future is gone for Naomi. All of her family, all the males in her family in this patriarchal society are gone. But she doesn't give up. This is what's important in our story today. Naomi doesn't give up. She keeps trusting God. And she gets frustrated, she's challenged by what's happening, but she doesn't give up. We see, it says in verse 6, she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had lived in the fields of Moab that the Lord had heard, sorry, she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So God provided food in the land of bread again, and in the land of provision in the promised land. He fulfilled his promise to care for his people. They just left too soon. He's providing. He's providing back there. And one of the great things about this book is it reminds us that God cares about the farmer. He cares about the immigrant. He cares about everybody in society. It's not just the people living in the city. It's not just the rich and the wealthy. It's everybody in between and everybody that exists. He cares about all of these people. And it's a reminder even to us to remember where all of our provision comes from. It comes from God in the first place, and we can't forget where it comes from. I think about this even in our lives, even in our church. One of the things we do each and every week is that we give back to God with our tithes and our offerings, and we we give you guys that opportunity to worship Him in that way. And part of why we do that is because it reminds us who God is in our life. It reminds us that all we have, whether it's a lot or it's a little, comes from God. My family lives this out as well, and we have seen it in our lives. Whether we've had a lot or a little, when we trust God and we're faithful, we're hesed towards Him in this area of our life, He is faithful in all areas of our life in return, and He always provides for us. And we continue to trust Him and say, hey, it comes from you, God. It doesn't come from us. And we say, God, we're going to trust you, and we're going to say that, you know what? I have this job because of you. And maybe it's easier, maybe it's harder for me as a pastor to say, well, all of my finances come from you, God. Um, All of my family's finances come from you, God. But my wife works in education, we say the same thing for her. No matter what you do for a job, no matter whether your paycheck comes from Facebook or, I guess, Meta or McDonald's or wherever it comes from, we acknowledge that it actually comes from God. It doesn't come from any of those places. And when we trust God in this way, we see Him 
provide. And so if you want to um, worship with us that way, you can do that anytime during our service online or by the boxes on your, um, on your way out or anytime during service. But I want to invite you to worship with us. That's an important way that we worship. Back to our story today. Naomi doesn't give up, and this is what I love about her. She goes back to Bethlehem to try for a better life again instead of just sticking it out in Mer in Moab. And church, somebody here this morning needs to hear this, to not give up with whatever you're facing, whatever's going on in life. You can't stop, you can't stop working, you can't give up. And she remembers the words of God to his people, the promise in Deuteronomy 31. It is the Lord who goes before you, he will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not be feared, do not fear or be dismayed. And she remembers and she says, these are God's words to me and my people. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to keep going even though there was famine and my, I lost my husband. I lost both of my sons. I immigrated and that didn't work out. Like nothing is going right in her life. And she says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to remember these words and I'm going to believe them in faith. That God is working. He is working. And she says, you know what? Naomi says, you know what? We left God and his promises in Israel to go to Moab. And now I see that he's honoring his people back in Israel. It's time for my family to return back to his promises. We tried to, to go another way to what other people had done, go somewhere else for provision, but I'm going to go back to what he did. And Naomi sets out for Bethlehem again. And she's, she's a little strategic, I think, in how she does it, because she just starts setting out because she knows if she doesn't start moving, it's not going to happen. And Naomi, she goes with her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. I hadn't I haven't mentioned Orpah yet. She was the other daughter-in-law in this situation. Yes, it's, it's Orpah, not Oprah. I don't know Oprah's parents got the R in the wrong place. I don't know what happened there, uh, but her name is Orpah. Um, and she goes, they both go with Naomi. She sets out and they start, you know, leaving would have been a process and they start coming back. And on the road, she says this to them in verse 8. But, you, but Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. I think Naomi waits to mention this till the road because she doesn't want to get persuaded on the way to stay. She's telling her daughter-in-laws, you can stay. But I think she starts moving so she doesn't get persuaded to stay back because she knows she needs to go back. And so she starts moving. And she starts going and she says to them... You can put that verse back up there for a little bit longer. She says to them, may God treat you with loving kindness. Deal kindly with you. That's our word has said in the original language. May God deal kindly with you. Naomi says, I literally have nothing left. I've lost it all. And so the only thing I can offer you is a prayer that God will provide and deal kindly with you. And she says, let's go home. And she starts moving. And she starts moving because she is powerless in this life, or in her, this point in her life. But she says, you know what, I'm going to go home. That's all I can do. I can walk. I can walk home and I'm going to pray that he provides with me and where my family came from in this place. So she starts going back to Moab and then she tells the daughters-in-law, you know what, don't come with me. Don't come with me. And so we see their response after the first time she says, don't come with me. And they say, you know what, no, like, we'll come with you. And I, I look at this, so I'm not going to read all these verses, but I feel like it's a little bit like I grew up in Minnesota, and I think there's a cultural thing going on here. Because in Minnesota, when somebody comes to your house, you offer them, hey, do you want something to drink? The appropriate response is, no, I'm good, thank you. 
And then the host's responsibility is to offer a second time. And only after the second offer are you actually allowed to say yes. And I think the same thing is going on here. Naomi says the first time, oh, like, you don't have to come with me, go home. And the the daughters-in-law are like, no, 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 we'll go with you. Like, this is the appropriate thing to do. And Naomi says it a second time so that they know that she is sincere. You really don't have to come with me. My life has fallen apart. You don't have to come with me. You lost your husbands. There is no hope for you, really, if you come with me. If you stay here, you can marry a new husband. You can have a family. You can leave a legacy. There's culturally you fit in. You can go back to your way of life. You don't have to come with me. If you come with me, literally, there's a hope and a prayer that God will provide at some point, but it's been over a decade, women. Like, I don't know if it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. Like, you probably want to go home. And Orpah takes her up on it. Orpah says, yep, I'm going to go back to my people. But, But Ruth has a different response. See, Ruth knows, let me come back to that word has said that I mentioned earlier. Ruth knows that this is how I'm going to live my life. She has made a commitment to live in this way, right? That word, you can put it up there, it's steadfast devotion and loving kindness. It's also tied to the idea of honor. She's going to honor her family. She's going to honor those around her. And Ruth says, this is going to be my response. I'm going to live this out. And when we honor God and when we honor others, I think it also unleashes the honor of God and the loving kindness of God to us in our lives. And I know that for me, from what I've seen around me, there is definitely a lack of honor in our country and our society right now. It's all about me or it's all about my people, but there's a lack of honor of those around us. And I think we see the devotion of Ruth to her family and the honor that they give to one another, the honor that they give to God, and it unleashes the honor of God back, the blessing of God back in our own lives. In a world where staying at a company for longer than three years is a long time, Ruth shows us a different way to live. That doesn't mean you have to stay at a company for 40 years. It's just a, 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 an example for you. But it shows us that there's a power in being steadfast. There's power in being committed. And knowing what is the right time to move on and when is the right time to stay. Because Naomi moved on. She's going back home. She didn't stay in their country. But there was a devotion that Ruth had and a power in that loving kindness and faithfulness in relationships with others and with God that she had. Power in that. And part of that, as we'll see through the chapters of Ruth, It unleashes and allows her to receive the full blessing of God in her life. His provision and blessing. So we see, right, I mentioned Orpah moved on. She went back home. It says in verse 14, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Notice, what it says, and the difference between them. Orpah went home. Ruth did something very specific. She clung. That word you might recognize, it's also the same word as we use cleave. It's in Genesis, the opening chapters of Genesis, and Jesus mentions it as well. When you get married, this is what you're supposed to do. You're to cling, you're to cleave to your new family. And Ruth says, I am devoted, I'm faithful, I'm loyal, I am not leaving. This is what I chose to do. 
I knew that I was leaving my old way of life. I knew that I wanted to follow God, and I'm going to cling to that new way of life. And that word means that it, you can't just remove it. She's not like a Velcro kind of relationship. I think there's some people like that, right? Like, all right, well, this one was good for a time, and like now we're separating, drifting apart. Like, I'll go stick somewhere else until I move on to the next thing to Velcro to. No, this is a permanent clinging of gluing together, and the only way to get them apart is to break them apart, and you can't keep them whole anymore. This is Ruth. She is devoted. She's clinging to her family, and the only way to separate it is to break it. This is Hesed, church. This is faithfulness. This is devotion. And this is not walking away before God has done my message today. See, she doesn't walk away. She says, God is still going to do something. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm not going to walk away before he is done. And I know in my own life, this is something I have seen lived out. So I, just to give you a brief overview of a few things that have happened throughout the trajectory of my life, right? I was all set to go to school to be an engineer and thought, this is great. I'm good at it. I'll make a bunch of money. Life is going to be great. I'll do some stuff for God on the side. And then God entered into my life and he very clearly said, no, I have a different plan for you. I want you to go into full-time ministry. And I said, this is hard, God, but this is, I'm going to follow you. It's better to follow you. So that's what I did. And I went to college and then I went to seminary and got my master's degree. And I was all set to become a pastor. And I said, God, I gave it all up for you. And then God said, well, it's not time yet. And so I, I, I went through this crisis of a crossroads and we see Ruth and Orpah at a crossroads right now in their life. And I was at this crossroads in my life where I felt like I gave it all up for God. And then where was he? Where was the provision? I gave it all up. I was ready to be a pastor, and I ended up working in sales instead. It was like the opposite of being a pastor. And I went through this crisis of what do I do? Do I just walk away, or do I keep pushing in to see and wait for God's provision? And I did. Three and a half years later, after I got married, my wife and I moved back into ministry. We literally moved to Costa Rica as missionaries. And we said, now's the time. God's calling us back into ministry together, and I'm ready for it. And I said, okay, God, I didn't give up. We kept pushing in. And then at the end of our first year in Costa Rica, the organization we went with, it ended. It it didn't work out, and they stopped doing what they were doing in Costa Rica. So our mission in Costa Rica ended rather abruptly. And we were left with this crossroads again, and we said, what do we do, God? Do we keep trusting? Do we keep being faithful that you've called us to ministry? Or do we just move on with our lives? Like, I can go back to sales, and there's good money in it over there. And we we prayed about it, and God said very clearly, come to San Jose and start a church. And so we moved to San Jose on faith. And what did I do? I had no ministry job for the first year that we were here. But I didn't give up. I said, this is what God has called me to. This is the word he has spoken. I'm going to wait for his provision. And so then I got a job as a pastor at a church, and I got to live that out because we knew that God said start a church here, but it wasn't going to start right away. And so we said, we're going to keep trusting. We're not going to just go back to our old way of life and our old friends. We're going to move to San Jose on faith. And even when we moved here on faith and we started over and it wasn't working out, we said, we're going to keep trusting. So he provides a ministry job. And then a couple years later, he says, now's the time to start the church. And we say, okay, this is great. 
we're going to go. We had the full blessing and support of the church that we came from for this. And we start out on the journey to start Tekoa Church. And we've got so much planned. We've got events planned. We've got um, times to serve the community. We've got all of this planned and orchestrated. And then March hits and COVID hits. And we're like, God, are you sure now was the time? And it kind of felt like, God, so many times we've been coming after you and we've been faithful to this call in our lives and it seems like we hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But it's like, you, you get the glimmer of hope and then it doesn't work out. And there's like, oh, the glimmer of, oh, this is starting to work out how we thought and then it doesn't work out. And we said, you know what? No, we're going to continue. We have seen if we just stay faithful, God will be faithful. And so we started to plant the church even though COVID was here. And if we would have given up, you literally would not be sitting here in these seats right now. But what we have seen through every wave of COVID, what we've seen through every step of the journey is that God is always faithful and he's always providing. And sometimes it takes longer than we would like it to take. Sometimes we don't see it yet, but we only get to see the provision if we don't walk away too soon. And because Allie and I didn't walk away too soon, Tekoa Church is here. And we're not going to walk away until we see God provide in greater and greater ways because he is at work even right now. In verse 14 and 15, the women have two choices. Orpah goes home and Ruth says, I'm going to stay. And the interesting thing before I, I finish with our, of Ruth and Naomi here is that the narrator doesn't critique Orpah. He doesn't say that was theologically wrong. She made the wrong decision. She didn't follow what God had said to her. She takes the easier path and we understand it. She goes back to her family and her culture and her people. It was the easy path. It was the expected path. It wasn't necessarily the wrong path, but it was not the best path. See, Ruth, Ruth is the one to emulate. Because while Naomi sends the women back home with a prayer that God will bless them with loving kindness and has said, Ruth stays and said, no, Naomi, I'm going to give you has said, and God, I'm going to give you has said, and I'm going to keep following you, and I'm going to keep be devoted until we see him provide, and I'm going to do the right thing. We understand Orpah, but Ruth is the one that we're called to emulate. See, Orpah, she lived her right life, and she went on. But Ruth, she didn't walk away too soon. And as we'll see in the coming weeks and later in this series, Ruth experiences the hesed, the loving kindness, the provision, the blessing of God by being devoted to him. She makes the call. I'm going to follow Yahweh. I'm going be, to become a Jew, even though that's not my people. Even despite Naomi being like the worst evangelist ever, because she's like, I've lived over a decade and my family died and I was in a famine and it hasn't worked out. And Ruth says, no, that's, I still trust that God. Because Naomi had a faith that was so unshakable, despite everything, Ruth said, that's still the God I want to follow, even though it's not the easiest path. Church, following Jesus is not always the easiest path. Matter of fact, he says it's not going to be the easiest path, but it is the best path. And it's filled with purpose and it's filled with blessing if we don't walk away too soon. I think too many people are living a Christian life not filled with the good parts of the Christian life because they keep walking away too soon. And so they just experience the difficult parts of it and they don't get to experience the blessing of it. Ruth and Naomi didn't walk away too soon. And she, she says, you know what, I'm going to go. And in verse 17, she makes a declaration. Not a temporary one, but a permanent one. Sorry, in verse 16, she says this, For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, Naomi, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Sometimes it takes a public declaration. 
This is why we have baptism as a church. It's a public declaration to say, I'm going to live my life different. What was before is not what's going to happen in the future. It's an eternal declaration. It's not a Naomi, I will be faithful and go with you, but if you die, I'm going to go back home. It's Naomi, I'm going to go with you, and even if you die, I will still be faithful to your people and your God because this is now my people and this is now my God. And she knows that this is how she is supposed to live. And we see the full redemption of God in her her life. I don't have time to get into it, but Naomi comes from the Moabite people. The Moabite people used to be God's people. There were lots of people that walked away from the promise and the provision of God and they became the Moabite people. And I think in Ruth we see that God is always chasing after his people and there's always a way back home. Just as Pastor Tim preached last week, Jesus is always chasing after us. Ruth had a way back home and God was redeeming her people. No matter how far away you've walked away, no matter what has happened, God always redeems his people. There's always a way back home. And Ruth says, for where you go, I will go. The band wants to come back up. I will wrap up here. And I want to invite you, maybe just like Ruth and Naomi, what is God calling in your life? Maybe it's something new. Naomi did need to make a choice and she needed to make a move. Or maybe it's sticking to something. And if it's a new choice, I believe that it's, I'm going to make this, I'm going to stick to it no matter what happens. I'm going to be devoted to it no matter what happens. This is what Ruth and Naomi did in their life. They were at a crossroads and they didn't know what to do. And when you find yourself as a crossroads, you have to make a decision of where do I go? I think too many times I see people that are just waffling. They don't want to make a decision or they're just going to make the easiest thing and go on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and they never stick it out. And because they don't stick it out, they don't see the blessing of God in their lives. Through my time in ministry and in Costa Rica and moving here, if we gave up, if we walked away too soon, we would have never seen the blessing of God. Whatever God's calling in your life, the same is true. If you give up on him too soon, you won't get to see his provision because you walked away from it too soon. Ruth was committed. She didn't give up. And she didn't walk away when honestly she was justified in walking away just like Orpah did. Maybe you're down the road. Maybe you've chosen the path and it's tempting to move on to something else. Ruth tells us, stay the course. Don't give up. Don't move on. It's not working out maybe as you hoped it would. It's not growing like you wanted it to grow. The kids aren't coming or they're not growing how you wanted them to grow. It's lonely and you wonder where are your friends or where's the family or where's the thing that you're hoping for. You're, you're, you're waiting on God for something in your life and you think, you know what, maybe I'll just move on with my life because that's going to be easier. I'm going to try something else and maybe that'll work out because this isn't working out. God today is saying, stay the course. Stay committed. Don't walk away too soon. That through your commitment, something deeper will happen that would have could have never happened without it. You need to stay the course. Stay true to your commitments. Be true to God's calling in your life. Don't waffle back and forth. Don't turn aside when things get tough. Ruth makes an oath. Sometimes we need to say words. Sometimes we need to make a confession to follow Jesus and follow him in our lives. And it's a permanent thing with the vocal commitment for us. Because those that are faithful, those that are hesed, get to experience the faithfulness, the hesed, the loving kindness of God. And his loving kindness is better than anything, church, in this world. He gives us a life of love. He gives us a life of purpose. And it's time to not be distracted by just the next shiny thing or the next opportunity, but be 
committed to the purposes of God right in front of us. So this morning, whatever God might be calling you to make, do you make the decision? Are you all in? Or do you kind of, oh, I'll go here, but I keep thinking about that, and you know what, if, if I'll just be Velcro and move over there if it gets too difficult, or that's an easier path. Are you really all in? If you're at a crossroads like Naomi and Ruth and Orpah, where do you go? What decision do you make in your life? There's some here this morning, and, and God is here in this place, and he's, he's inviting you. He's saying, I, I, the provision is coming, you just haven't seen it yet. He's saying, don't walk away too soon. And I want to pray for you guys this morning. So would you guys all just bow your heads and pray with me right now? God, I want to pray for those that are in this room, those that are watching or hearing this message later on this week or, or even later. God, you are the God of faithfulness. You are the God that never gives up, never walks away. And you are always faithful to us. I pray that we would know your faithfulness, that we would know that you are with us. Lord, even when we don't see it yet, just like Naomi and Ruth, as we got to this point in our story, they still haven't seen it yet. But God, you are faithful. I know the end of the story, and it's the faithfulness of God. I pray that our church, I pray that those listening right now would know your faithfulness, God. Whatever's on their hearts that they're, that they're facing right now in life, I pray that you would give them the encouragement that you are with them, that you care about all parts of their life. You're not a God that just sits distance, but you're a God that enters into life with us and cares about all parts of life. Even when we don't see you working, even when we don't see the miraculous, God, that you are in all parts of our life. I pray that we would know that this morning. Some of you need to make a commitment. And God is saying, I want to unleash my blessing over your life and I want to give you purpose and I want to guide you and I want to provide for you. But you haven't yet chosen to follow after him. See, none of us are perfect. We've all messed up. And because of that, God sent Jesus for us to live a perfect life and die a death on the cross that he didn't deserve. And because he didn't deserve it, he rose again three days later. And God said, anybody that puts their faith and trust in him, if they, if they confess that and believe in him, God provides a way for us to restore relationship with him and gives us a purpose and a blessing in our life. So I want to invite you this morning, if you're here and you need to recommit to him, or you're here and you've never made that commitment, God is here right now and he is saying, I want to enter back into relationship with you. And I want to be providing for you in your life. All you have to do, it says, is confess and believe. So if you want to make that confession this morning, you can just say these words this morning. Jesus, I choose you. I'm not perfect, and I thank you that you were. I believe you died and rose again for me. And Jesus, I choose to follow after you. In the words of Ruth, God, you will be my God no matter what happens. Amen. As we continue in our service, we're going to have some time of worship together. And I want to invite you for this next song to just even spend some time reflecting. Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to make a decision on. 
or maybe life is just a challenge right now. This song is a great time to reflect. Some of our team is going to be in the back as well. If you want prayer, we would love to pray for you as well. But what I want you to see is where Naomi's at by the end of our chapter. Like I said, I know the end of the story. Some of you might know the end of the story, but this is what she says in verse 20. She said to the people when she got back to Bethlehem, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty God has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? And what I want you to see this morning is that she was honest with where she was at. She said, you know what? Life is difficult right now. It's so difficult. Like, just don't even call me um, Naomi because that means something that isn't my life right now. Call me this instead. And this next song is about admitting to God how you feel and where you're at. But it also reminds us that God is at work even when we don't see it. It reminds us that he's working in our lives and it's time for us to be honest with God. But at the same time, just like Naomi, remember her faithfulness, his faithfulness. Because Naomi didn't give up as well. She went back to Israel, she went back to her people and she said, man, my life has fallen apart, but, but she still had a faith in God. And she kept trusting and she said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be faithful until I see his provision. This next song says, maybe it's okay if I'm not okay. Because the one who holds the world is holding on to me. Maybe it's okay if I'm not all right, because the one who holds the stars is holding my whole life. It's okay to be in that place, but it's not okay to stay in that place forever. See, it also finishes with a hope and a declaration. Nothing changed. Nothing has changed yet for Naomi, but there's a declaration. Now I'm alive in you, God. Now I'm alive in you, and I can see everything. I can see that you are at work even when I didn't see you at work. And maybe it's okay if I'm not okay. So I want to invite you guys, you can sit, you can stand, you can sing, you can pray, you can reflect. Come to the back. We would love to pray for you during this song, but just meet with God in this time. Thank you for joining us on the Tekoa Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and let God do the work only he can do. We hope it helped you wherever you are at in your faith journey. We want to connect with you if you're going through something difficult or looking to be a part of our church community. Fill out the Tacoa card on our Connect page, tacoachurch.org slash connect. While there, you can also see the most up-to-date information in the life of our church. A special thank you to those of you who give to Tacoa. Your sacrifice makes this podcast and our Sunday gatherings possible, as well as creates life change throughout the world. You can be a part of this by going to tacoachurch.org slash giving. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Until next time, blessings.